0: if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus is the second book in the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the seats in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, we would love for you to take that one home with you. We love giving away copies of God's Word, and so we'd love for you to take that with you today. Uh, before we get started, I just want you to look at the person next to you and smile and say, I'm glad you're here. and then looked the other way and said, I'm glad you're here too, all right? This is a place of community, and uh, we always want you to feel like you're welcome here, and so uh, I'm glad that you're here and and, uh, glad that I get to share with you this morning. In Exodus chapter 17, we're going to look at a story that, that continues the conversation of this sermon series, Marked, where we are looking at places where God has called us to look at the spiritual markers in our life, the places where God put His, His His hand down in our lives and He did amazing and incredible things, and how He encourages us to not only live today for Him, but to live tomorrow. And one of the things that we want to do as a church is to make our mark mark, on this city and to make a mark on a generation. And so we believe that God has called us not to only celebrate the victories of the past, but to use those victories so that others might be encouraged generation after generation after we're long gone that people will be serving and loving Jesus because of the marks that God has made on our on our lives and on our church. And so we're going to look at this story in Exodus chapter 17, which is a great place where God essentially came in and did a an amazing, incredible work, and then he told them how they should remember it. So I want to kind of walk through this passage this morning. So if you have your Bibles, look with me in Exodus chapter 17, and we'll begin reading in verse 8. It says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. And tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And so Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek. And while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. And so they took a stone and they put it under him. And he sat upon it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands one on one side and the other on the other side, so that his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with a sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this as memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek under, the, under heaven, and Moses built an altar and called the name of it the Lord is my banner, saying a hand uh, a hand upon the throne of the Lord, and the Lord will ha- will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now what I want us to do this morning is I want to break this apart so that we can take it away with us today. And the thing I want to begin with in verses 8 and 9 is to understand That God has called us to face the battle. Now, whether you knew it or not, most of you are probably aware that you are in a battle in your life. And some of you say, hey Doug, you don't have to tell me, I already know. I'm in a battle, I've got the scars, I've got the dents in my armor, I've got the the stress in my life because I'm doing a battle and I don't know how the end is going to come about, but I'm here today and I'm battle-weary. Here's what I want you to know that unfortunately what I wish I could tell you is that the more that you follow Jesus, that, uh, the less the battles come. But what happens, and many of you are in this journey in your life where you are coming back to Jesus or you are beginning a strong walk with Christ or you have just come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and you are changing the pattern of how you live and the decisions that you make and the things that you say and how you live in your life is different because you're following Jesus now for the first time. And you're in this battle. And what what the reality is, is that the more that you want to follow Jesus, the more that Satan shows up on your doorstep. And you would think that the more I follow Jesus, the less battles I have. But I'm here to tell you that the more that you try to follow Jesus, the more Satan wants to try to pull you away from Jesus. But the good thing is this, that God is victorious and that he is stronger than Satan and that Satan can't keep you pushed down. Now, the thing that we need to understand in the beginning is this, that the battles that you are facing in your life, the battles that I'm facing in my life, you are not battling against people. You're not battling against um, this, this earthly war. Okay? because that's where we get distracted. We go to work and our boss is being mean to us and we think my battle is against my boss. Or we go home and there's tension in the house and we think the battle is against my spouse or against my kids or my family. Or there's a battle in the war and they're out to get me. Here's what I want you to know. The battle is not with this world. The battle is a supernatural battle. How do I know that? Because Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 10, he said this, listen, "'Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness.'" against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Here's what I want you to understand. Paul reminded us that the devil is the enemy. Would you say that with me? The devil is the enemy. It's not your boss. It's not your spouse. It's not your family. It's not your job. It's not the government. I don't, you can put whatever label you want to. I want you to know the battle is against the devil. He is trying to take you down. He is trying to discourage you. He's trying to distract you from being like Jesus, from following Jesus, from trusting Jesus. And Paul so eloquently wrote here, the battle is not against that, it is against the devil. So I want you to know it's not that mindset that the devil's hiding around every corner, but I want you to know that when you're following Jesus, the devil does not want you to follow Jesus. I'll tell you, in the life of this church... I, I have been a believer for most of my life. I came to know Christ at a very early age, and so I, I've seen some things in my lifetime. I want you to know that as a church, we're in the greatest spiritual battle that I've ever seen. You know why? Because we have decided, we have put a flag down and said, we're going to try to take this city for the glory of Jesus. And so we we want to honor him. We want to glorify him, and Satan does not want that to happen. And so The devil is the enemy that we're fighting and not uh, mankind that's around us. But here's the second thing I want you to see is that God stands with you in the battles. Look at verse 9. In verse 9, it says, you know, he, he, Moses told Joshua, hey, grab some people and go to war. But I want you to know that as you're doing war, that I'm going to be standing on the side of the hill and I'm going to hold the staff of God up and I'm going to be calling down the powers of heaven to intervene on your behalf. Here's what I want you to know. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. If you're in the battle if you're fighting the fight of following Christ, if you're living in in a world that seems to be swimming upstream and you're trying to walk with Jesus and it's just hard, I want you to know you are not alone. That God is standing on the hill and he is calling down the powers of heaven into your life and into my life and he's saying, if you will fight for me, then I will stand with you. So you are not alone because that's how we feel. We feel like I'm the only one fighting. I'm the only one trying to do the right thing. I'm the only one trying to be honest. I'm the only one in this struggle that's trying to to fight to keep my life focused on Christ. I want you to know you are not alone. You are not alone, that God is standing with you. And thankfully, we're in an environment in a church where your church is standing with you. Because we, we we weren't ever supposed to stand by ourselves. I love I love the book of Hebrews. If you're taking notes, you need to re, you need to go back and read Hebrews chapter eleven. It's a great passage where the writer of Hebrews just gives a a history of people, men and women who had been faithful over time in tough times in tough situations where they stood and they were faithful for God and God proved Himself faithful for them and glorified Himself through them. And so Hebrews chapter 11 just is this journey, this 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 list of people who were faithful. But the best thing is chapter 12 because after chapter 11 where he defines faith and he tells the the writer tells uh, who was faithful, then in chapter 12 he says this that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and therefore we can run the race with endurance. Here's what I want you to see is that you in your life and me in my life, if we're trying to run the race of following Jesus, that there are people who have come before us and they have set markers for us and said, listen, when you follow Jesus, he will be faithful. When you trust in God, he will be faithful. And they are cheering in the stands. So not only is God on the hill raising the staff and calling down the power of heaven into your life to help you fight the battle, but there are these people who have been throughout history faithful to God, faithful to Jesus, walking the walk of faith, going through those tough times just like you are going through those tough times. And they are cheering you on. And the battle cry is this. The Lord is our banner and we are following him and he will do amazing and incredible things. How do I know that? Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 9, Paul wrote this. He said, you don't have to be alone. Listen to what he said. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then he is strong. You see, what God says is this. When you feel like you are at the bottom, when you feel like you have been beaten down, that's when Jesus' strength can be at its best. When we realize it is not us but it's all about him. God's going to tell Moses how to, how to lead his people to remember this day. But what I want you to know is what God wants us to remember is that it's not about what we can accomplish, but what, about what he can accomplish. Did you catch that? It's not about what we can do. It's not about our strength. It's not about our ability to fight. It's about God's ability to come in and do a miracle in our lives. And what God wants us to remember, what He wants us to mark in our lives, those places along your journey where God did amazing things, He doesn't want you to remember, hey, I was faithful. Me, 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 me. He doesn't want to say, hey, I was I was smart. He wants us to remember that God was amazing, that He was miraculous, that He did what He did not have to do. And God not only uses that to help us remember, but He uses people around us. If you will look in this passage Moses was not alone look at verse 11 it says that that Moses he, he grew tired you ever get tired I mean you just get tired of fighting I mean it's just, it's just overwhelming I mean you just I'm just done I, I don't I don't want to do this anymore I, I'm tired of messing with it I, everybody else is is doing the this and I'm doing something different and it's tough following Jesus is hard sometimes it's much easier for us to give in and follow what the world wants us to do. But it says that Moses, when, whenever he held up his hand, that, that they won the battle. And he got tired of holding up his hands. And so he called in his, his guys and he said, listen, to win today, I need your help. And just as we read about in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, that there are a cloud of witnesses who are walking with you. I want you to know there is a church that is on the journey with you. That's why uh, connection groups are so important to us. Small group Bible study is so important to us because we not only just want you to come on Sunday morning, but we want you to get involved in a community so that when you in the middle of your week are falling on your face and you're just tired and you're ready to give up, that you can call a friend and you can say to them, listen, today is hard and the battle is, is strong and I don't know that I can make it. Will you pray with me? Will you walk with me? Will you be in this journey with me as I try to be like Christ and be Jesus' love to my community? You see, God wants us to not be alone. But he also wants us to stay strong in the fight. I love the story of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. If you've never read the story of Nehemiah, I encourage you, that's homework, whatever. Write it down. Read it. It's a great story. We will eventually preach through it because it's such a wonderful passage. But in the story of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was called back to his hometown and the walls of his hometown had been torn down. They had fallen down. They had just crumbled because they had not done the maintenance on them. And so uh, enemies were able to come in and and ravage the area and they had just been beaten up. And so he went back to his hometown and he said, you know what? No more. We're going to rebuild the walls. We're going to reestablish God's presence in this community. And so uh, Nehemiah was leading that charge. He was organizing people to rebuild the walls. And there were these two guys who came in and they wanted to distract Nehemiah from the job that God had called them to do. And so he, he, he was working on the wall and these two guys came and actually they wanted to kill him. They wanted to take him away, his, his attention away. And so uh, he's on the wall and they say, come down and have a conversation with us. And you got to love what Nehemiah says. He, he says, listen, I I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Would you say that with me? I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Let's say it again. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. And so he realized that his priority of following God was more important than those that wanted to have a conversation with him, that wanted to distract him from God's purposes. Here's what I want you to know. In your life, God has a purpose for you to be a better man, to be a better woman, to be a better follower of Christ, to be a better father, to be a better husband, to be a better uh, wife, to be a better mother. God has called you to a greater and a higher purpose. And the world wants to distract you. They say, hey, why don't you just come down and let's have a conversation about this. And what you need to say and what I need to say is what Nehemiah said. Listen, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Because what the world wants to do is to say, listen, if you'll just work a little bit more, if you'll make a little bit more money, then you'll solve the problems in your life. If you'll just put more emphasis on this, if you'll just do a little bit more of that. And what I want you to know is this, that nothing the world has as a priority is greater than what God has a priority for your life. And you are doing a great work and you cannot come down. I had a guy tell me a great quote this, this week. He said this, don't stop the bus for barking dogs, okay? Have you ever had a chihuahua? You know what chihuahua does? I mean, they just, they got so much energy and, and they just, yip, 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 yip. There's always gonna be someone in your life who wants to fill your ear with yip, 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 to They want you to stop what you're doing. They want you to stop the purpose of your life so that they can fill your ear with this garbage. Here's what I want you to know. You are doing a great work and you cannot come down. Do you hear me? God has called you to be a better person. God has called you to live and to serve him, to love your family, to reach out into your your world with the love of Christ. You are doing a great work and you cannot come down. Don't stop the bus. You gotta keep moving because God's purposes are greater than the world's purposes. Here's what I understand in my 40 years of life is that if I don't set priorities for my life, the world will, and the world's priorities are never God's. And so that I'll end up in a place and I've accomplished all this list of things that the world thinks are important and God is disappointed with me because I've not, uh, I've not done His thing. I've not accomplished His purposes. So I don't want you to be distracted. Instead, today, I want you to be purposeful about your life. Follow Jesus. Trust Jesus. Love Jesus. Walk with Jesus because Jesus drives the division of your heart and his purposes are always better and you will end up in a better place. So first, we not only want to face the battle, but secondly, listen to this. We need to remember the battle. Look at verse 13. In verse 13, it says that when, when Moses held his hands up, verse 12, that they would win, and the sun went down, and the battle was God's. God won the victory that day. Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. And so there was a victory that day, not because they were good fighters, but because they were following God. And God showed up that day, and he did an incredible thing. Look at verse 14. And so in that moment, he didn't say, wait 10 days. But God said, right now, I want you to remember what I have done for you. Look at verse 14. He says, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, and I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. What he says here is this. I want you to remember what's happened. And so I want you to write it down. Does anybody in here ever forget anything? (laughs) Mm, Can I get a witness? You know, I almost feel like Pentecostal or something. You know, um, uh, do you ever, you ever forget stuff? I mean, if you're talking to me and you say, Doug, can you do this? And I'm not writing it down, then you need to say, Pastor, I love you and all, but can you write this down? Because I won't remember. Why? Because i got so many things going on in my mind. you got things going on in your life. And so I don't know about you, but when my wife sends me to the store, she tells me more than two things. I make her write it down because she'll be mad when I don't bring the third one home, right? Okay, because... I just forget. And so God said, listen, I don't want you to wake up in six months or six years and go, you remember that day when we fought Amalek? Man, Joshua was a great battle leader. Moses was a wonderful leader of our nation. It was because of their strength and their talents and their abilities that uh, that an amazing thing happened that day. God said, I don't want you to remember that. And so get your pen and paper out and I want you to remember, God gave us the victory that day. Write it down. And he said, not only do I want you to write it down, but I want you to recite it. I want you to say it. You remember when we were going through as a church the sermon series on Sun Stand Still? We learned that sometimes it's very important for us just to speak the word of God into our lives. Just to say, listen, hey, Satan, you got to get under God's authority today because you're not in charge. God's in charge. You have to say things like, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it because some days you don't want to rejoice and there doesn't seem to be any gladness. And so we have to speak God's word into our life to know that there is victory and there is power in the name of God and in the power of his word. You see, God said, I want you to write it down. And then I want you to recite it because I want you to remember after today, Six days from now, 60 days from now, six years from now, I want you to remember that God showed up and that he did a work in the life of this nation. And then they got to celebrate the victory. Uh, This is is a great thing. He said, write it down. He he said, recite it. And then he he essentially said, I want you to, to celebrate what happened today. Here's the sad thing. Listen to me. Here's the sad thing. Some of you have not had victory in your life to celebrate because you don't know what the win is. You don't know, you you don't recognize, you're so overwhelmed by all the problems in your life that good things come and go and you don't even recognize them here's the thing that you have to do. It's, it's really funny to me that, that oftentimes when people come and they say, Pastor, I, I need to talk to you. I got all these problems in my life. And they come to me and, and they, they want me like, like, like I have a drawer full of magic wands and I can just in one instance fix everything that's happened in their life. And, and I say, you know what? I love you, but it didn't take you a day to get here and it's going to take me more than a day to fix it <laughs> because you made a mess and God can fix your mess. But how do you fix the mess? Will you fix it one day at a time? time. You work on today. And for some of you, you're so overwhelmed by your problems that you can't see any good. And I want you to know that God wants you today to get a victory. So what does a victory look like? Well, maybe you're dealing with a problem or an issue in your life and you need to say today that if I can just live today for Jesus, then that's a victory for me. If, if I can just be a better dad today, then that's a victory. If, if I can love my family today, then that's a victory. If, if I can make good decisions in my life today, then that's a victory. Because you're not going to fix every problem in your life today. But you can fix them over time, one victory at a time. God didn't say, hey, celebrate every victory that will ever happen. He said, celebrate today. So for some of you, you need to define what the win is in your heart and then you need to praise God that you have the ability to have that win, to have that victory that God has given you today because God has blessed you. Look around you. Look in your house. Look in your family. Look in in your life. Look at the things that God has given you. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift that you have in your life comes from God. So if you have anything that's good in your life, then it comes from God. And so you ought to take that as a victory and a win and say, thank you, Lord Jesus, you have blessed me. You know, if you don't have anything else, you've got a church that loves you. Okay. We care about you and we want to walk with you in your journey of following Jesus. And then you give God the glory. And, and that's exactly what Moses did. He, he sat down, he, he wrote it down, he recited it. And then he said, you know what? Verse 15, look, he said, I'm going to build an altar. And I'm going to call the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand is on the throne of the Lord. He said, listen, not only do I want to write it down, not only do I want to recite it, but I'm going to build an altar so that when somebody comes by this spot... 50 years from now, they're going to know that there is a God in heaven who gave a victory on this day, and we can celebrate what he did that day and know that that's the same God that will give us victory today. We're reading from the Old Testament, which was written several thousand years ago, but I want you to know the God of Exodus is the God of today. And the victory that he wants to bring into your life is the same victory that he brought to Moses and Joshua, and he wants to change the pattern so that you will, and this is my third point, have the courage to fight another day. God gives us victory so that we'll have courage to fight another day. Verses 15 and 16, Moses said, I'm going to build an altar because I want to remember I want to take my grandkids back here. I want to take my friends back here. And I want to say, you know what? On this spot, on this day, God stepped out of heaven and he did an amazing thing in my life. Parents, you want to change your kid's life? You don't change your kid's life by giving them everything that they want. You don't change your kid's life by, uh, by spoiling them. You don't change your kid's life even by making them moral, by making them polite, by making them follow the rules. You change your kid's life by giving them Jesus and teaching them what it means to be changed by the power of God. Do you hear me? You see, sometimes we think if we bless them enough, they'll be good people. I'm going to tell you this. There's going to be a lot of good people in hell who don't know Jesus. And that saddens my heart. But without Christ... They don't have the hope of heaven. You see, Moses said, I want to remember what God did for me on this day so I can tell. See, this is not the only place that God said, I want you to remember. He he told us, He told them in the very beginning. In fact, I want to read a passage to you from Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's the law. It says this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words I have commanded you today, they shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you uh, lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You know what he says there? that we need to remember. You want to teach something to the next generation? Teach them to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. You want to change the world? It's not going to be by the political system. It's not going to be by a social change in our world. We're not going to change our city by electing someone else as mayor. We're going to change our city by teaching them to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. We're going to change the next generation by teaching them to love the Lord your God with all your, all your might, with all your mind, with all your soul. You see, that's the change that needs to happen in our hearts is that we understand that it's not a fix that the world has. The only hope that the world has is Jesus. And so we need to have the courage to remember and to tell our children and to tell our, the generations around us. So if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're an uncle, if you're an aunt, if you're a friend, You need to tell them to follow God, to follow Jesus. Because when we remember what God has done for us, then our faith grows. When we remember what God has done in our lives, when we go back and we look at those spiritual markers in our lives and we remember how God showed up and worked in an amazing way and we teach our children and our children's children, then we change a generation because we begin to trust God more. What's happened in our church, what's happened in our nation is that we no longer have faith and trust in an almighty God. We're trusting in a system that is worldly. And I want you to know what we need to go back to is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And that, if, if, when we do that as a nation, it won't matter who's sitting in the president's seat because our nation will be changed by the power of God, not the power of a, of a political system see, the battle cry of our universe tells us that we must follow Jesus. I love what Moses said here. He built an altar and then he said, listen, the Lord is my banner. The Lord is my theme. The Lord is my bumper sticker on my car, the message on my t-shirt, the words from my mouth. He said in Deuteronomy, write God's word on your arms, on your hands, and put them in front of your face, put them on the doorpost of your house. Why? Why? Because the world needs to know that Jesus is the hope of glory, not something in this world. What we need today is to face the battle. What we need today is to remember where God has brought us from. What we need today is to focus our minds and our hearts on Jesus and Jesus alone. You see, for some of you who came in here this morning, when I talk about a battle, man, you've been in a battle. You, you left your weapons at the door, but your heart is hurting and you're tired and you're weary and you don't know what the next step is going to be. Here's what I want you to know. You are not alone. God is with you. He is work, walking with you through that valley. He is with you in the battle. He is standing on the side of the hill and He is holding up the staff of God and He is calling down the resources of heaven into your world. He is bringing you strength. He is standing with you. And not only that, but as we read in Hebrews chapter 12, there is a cloud of witnesses that are surrounding the battlefield and they are cheering you on and they are saying, don't lose heart. Don't give up. It is worth the fight. It is worth the battle because God is faithful and He will stand with you and there will be victory. And when victory comes, then God will get the glory. Listen here, church. When we begin to live that way, when we begin to be inspired in our heart and encouraged to know that God is with us in the battle, then our lives will change and people will see something in us that is different in that Jesus is living out through our lives. We need to be that kind of church. You need to be that kind of people. We need to be people who follow God who trust God, who are faithful to God in the midst of the battle. Now, for some of you, that's a tough thing because you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Here's what I want you to understand, that it's not, it's not what we can figure out on our own, but it is just as the scripture says that we need to learn to trust the Lord with all of our heart, to lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him and he will make our paths straight. Here's what you need to hear. If you don't know Jesus, you begin with step one, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior, what I want you to hear and understand today is this. The whole reason why we're here, the whole reason why we started this church, the whole reason why I'm preaching you today is so that you can hear that Jesus loves you. And He wants you to have a personal relationship with Him. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart in just a moment, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And in that prayer, you are going to be able to have the opportunity to ask Christ into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. And I promise that if you do that and you give your heart to Jesus, that there will be a change that happens in you, that God will transform your life, He'll forgive your sin, and He'll set you on a new journey. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I want to encourage you today to to ask God, is that what you want from me? Are you calling me to yourself? In fact, right now, just with every head bowed and every eye closed across this room, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I just want to lead you in a prayer. If you need to give your heart to Him, I I can't force you. I don't want to force you. I want it to be your decision. But if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I want to lead you in a prayer that you can just recite after me. You can say it silently in your heart today. If, If you need to do that right now, just say these words, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for never giving up on me. I confess to you every sin of my life. Everything I've ever done wrong, every bad mistake, every selfish act, I confess it all to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me as white as snow, to come into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. Lord, I want to be more like you and less like me. Walk with me every day as I follow you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, that you were buried in a tomb, and that you came to life and you're alive today. Teach me to follow you. And when you pray a prayer like that and you mean it in your heart, it's not the magic words that you say. It is the heart that you give to Jesus and you say, I no longer fight running away from you, Jesus, but today I turn to you and I give my heart to you. When you pray that prayer and you believe it, then scripture says that Jesus will save you. He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He gives you the promise of heaven. And it says in Scripture that when one comes to know Christ, that the heavens rejoice. So if you gave your heart to Jesus today, there's a party in heaven because you have surrendered to Him. We want to walk with you in that journey. If you ask Christ into your heart, on your seat, there's a card and a place on that card for you to check. I'd like more information about becoming a Christian. Because as, as a church, Connection Church, we want to walk with you Following Christ. Now, I want to pray for us, and then we're going to take up our offering and we'll be dismissed. But hear these words that when it comes down to facing the battles in your life, you need to do this listen, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Lord Jesus, we come to you as people in need of a Savior. God, I pray that the power of God would be in this place. And Lord, I pray for those who may have accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior today. God, would you just energize them with the passion that comes from life change. God, would you draw them to yourself, give them the courage to check on a card or to talk to somebody before they leave today about how they've given their heart to Jesus. Lord, I pray today for those who know Christ, but God have just become weary in the battle lord i pray the power of god down today in their lives lord we believe that you are more powerful than satan we recognize that we are in a battle against not against flesh and blood but against powers that we cannot see and so father i pray in the name of jesus that you would bind satan from the working in their lives i pray that you would bind satan from being able to tear them away from you And God, I pray that the power of God will be alive in people's lives today. God, I pray that you will give us victory. God, I pray that we would trust in you because you are the only God that is trustworthy. God, I pray that you would help us to hope in you because the only hope we have is in you. God, I pray that we would trust and follow and and love you because you are the only God that is worthy of our love. Lord, I pray today that those who are weary from the battle would gain strength and courage. And God, that we would face this week with a determination to live the right way, to serve you with all of our heart and to look for those around us who are on their way to hell. And if it were not for the grace and the love of Jesus that we can share with them, they would go there. So God, would you help us to love people this week like you would. Lord, we love you and we praise you And we honor you in Jesus' name I pray.